artificial intelligence is kind of the same concept. If it's trained on, you know, results in the human world, it yeah. stands to reason that it would reflect human qualities. Luke, uh, you just got engaged. I did indeed. Tell us, tell us about that. <laughs> uh, so far, so good. Um, you know, we've been together for about 10 years. So Is that like high school sweetheart? It, it was indeed. Um, Who's out of whose league? <laughs> well, she's not watching this, so okay. I think I can safely say that. You're the catch. Just kidding. No, she's great. She's awesome. I would never say such a thing. And you went on you went on vacation? We did. Yeah, we went to our my 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 old family uh stomping grounds in North Carolina. Nice. Um, what, what Myrtle Beach or is that South Carolina? It was Nags yeah, that's that's South Carolina. Yeah, yeah. It was Nags Head, North Carolina that my family's been going to for like forty years now. Is and it like beach house beach house on the on the beach? Yep, yep, beach house stuff. Like we rent I have a huge family of like 110 people, I think, are currently attending. It's the, like the opposite of the Sweeney thing. Week. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, that's what they call it, Sweeney Week. So your wedding and is going to be really expensive, you're saying? Luckily, we have a lot of people to contribute. Okay, I'll, that's leave, cool. it, I'll leave it at that, just in case any of my uh, any of the Sweeney relatives end up watching this. <laughs> so, uh, so what's next? Are you guys having? Uh, you guys doing the kids thing, or? You know, as a as a true millennial, um, we're going to wait until that becomes financially responsible, which, yeah. as we all know, is never. Okay. So. One, one of the reasons why I ask is because, like, personally, I have this, like, uh, I, I was looking at, like, a lot of the topics that we're going to be discussing today, mm-hmm. and uh, I feel like there's kind of, like, this, like, tech dystopian theme, and uh, I think it's kind of, I feel like, it feels like a weird and scary world to bring kids into these days. Yeah, absolutely. Now, that's a valid point. I mean, tech notwithstanding, things kind of seem scary nowadays, yeah. but... Now you're right. Um, uh, I feel like a lot of the things that we've had listed, especially on this schedule, are like paradigm shifting tech innovations. If yeah. that makes sense, you know, not to be overblown or exaggerating, but a few of these things that we're you know going to dig into could very well disrupt hugely entrenched sectors of the economy. Yeah, I, I um, feel like we are not like human beings are not evolved to be living in the environment that we're currently in. <laughs> Uh, this is one of my favorite conversations to have with uh, my girlfriend's now fiance. Yeah, yeah. I guess because she's on the exact opposite. She's she's terrified of the robots taking over. Yeah. Self-driving cars, uh, artificial intelligence, especially like the things we're going to talk about about the the AI image generator. She's terrified of. Yeah. For, for good reason. And I'll, you're more optimistic. Uh, I'm more optimistic. Okay. I'm not perfectly optimistic that these these things are going to fall into the right hands. Yeah. Um, but I guess I'm optimistic in their potential for what they can do, for, you know, how they can help people. All right. So uh, let's let's skip around a bit on this outline. I'm, I'm, cool. Like I said, we're going to kind of limit the structure here. Uh, Fine by me. And I think uh, we could, I think this would be a good point to transition into the AI. And you were, you were mentioning the, the image generation. Oh, yeah. Um, it's one of my favorites. So there's like this Dolly, the Dolly Mini that Google made. But there's also like a bunch of other uh, kind of companies that are making these mm-hmm. uh, these image generators where you could essentially like type in a prompt, right. um, like say, like, uh, you know, uh, painting of the Taj Mahal in the style of 
you know, Van Gogh's Starry Night. Right, yeah. And it will produce, like, a, a completely unique image that looks like it was painted by, like, a professional. And you could, you could right. like, th- these props can get, like, as weird as you want them to be. It could be, right. like, yeah. I don't know, like a, like a, a chicken at home plate uh, hitting a home, you know, hitting a home run, you know. You can keep with, going, and, too. And the, pitcher, can... the pitcher pitches a tangerine or something. Right, yeah. And it will literally, like, paint this image for you. Right, um, remarkably well yeah. attuned to the prompt. Too. Yes, and you can like enhance it, and it gets it gets mm-hmm. better looking and better looking. And I I I find this really interesting because I feel like there's always been this like kind of this idea that uh, AI and robotics and automation only infiltrates uh, things that are kind of like routine, and that this uh, the realm of creativity is is off it's, limits, right? Exclusively human. Yes, right. yeah, but now we're absolutely. kind of reaching this point where like a like, if you're like a, a brilliant painter, you're suddenly like not really that that value or a graphic designer. Right. Like that seems Absolutely. like a really creative thing that you would not expect, uh, you know, AI or automation to infiltrate, and it seems like it's happening. Yeah, absolutely. That's yeah. That's I think that's been kind of like if you ask the the everyday person what their what their separation between artificial intelligence and organic human intelligence is. I think you'll find a lot of people will point towards the creativity sure. aspect. You know, uh, even even now with the image generation, um, the the Dolly and the the other competitors that they've had, um, it it uses a huge amount of raw data. So essentially, what it does is take every picture on the internet, crunch it together into an algorithm that it it sees as fitting to your prompt and then spitting it out. That is an incredibly complex task computationally, but compared to what the average human does when you walk up to them and say, hey, how are you doing today? Yeah. You're drawing on so much more data than that algorithm could possibly compute in its lifetime. And, you know, that it's always been kind of out of reach based on what our current computer limitations are. But as we kind of push those limitations farther and farther, we get much closer to a reality where computers are smarter than humans. And I don't think a lot of people are prepared for that reality whatsoever, because obviously a lot of our economics and our businesses are based on which human can do this better. Sure. But if you can do it in 10 seconds, where a computer can do it in one hundredth of a second, yeah. Then whether you or your and create friend or... like a bunch of different variations to it, choose from. Exactly. Yeah, that's the best part about the Dali is I'm you know it. I've seen digital artists train their entire lives to produce the type of art that this image generator, you know, yeah. comes up with in a second, and it's still sometimes not as good in turn. Like I've seen, I've seen images generated by this thing that were not just technically proficient they were thought provoking and just the way that the the ai assembled these different images together was sure. was fascinating honestly from you know far more than just a, a wow how did the coding do that yeah. kind of standpoint so i think maybe like one counter argument to like what i was saying before about like that is we've kind of broken the the, the creativity algo so mm-hmm. to speak is that i think elements of the creativity in the creation are still there because you need someone to it's just that like the skill set is different, because it used to be like you had to be a creative and have that technical uh, the, the, the technical a- know-how, the, right? The, to mm-hmm. actually paint, but now the creativity seems to be more in language and being able to describe the image you want. Right. And, and mm-hmm. so it's like 
it's like are graphic designers going to be replaced with like really good writers? Oh, that would be that'd be very interesting. I didn't even you're, that's a good point. I didn't even think of it as as the image generator taking the place of you know, technical art skills. Whereas you're right, people with creative minds, regardless of how good they are at Photoshop or how good they are at, you know, digital art, I think Blender is a common program that people use to just create things from nothing. Regardless of how good you are at those things, if you have a creative mind, you have the ability to create yeah. great art. At the end of the day, these, you know, these image generators aren't sentient, sure. right? They, right. They, they aren't making close. these decisions. Right. Uh, they're just kind of following directions or following a rule set. Absolutely. Um, Speaking of sentience, you know where I'm moving with this. <laughs> that, yeah, that was one of the more fun news stories. <laughs> okay, so so I'll just give like a, a little bit of background on this. There was, a, and I'm sure some people, it's, this isn't really like new news, um, but there was a Google AI engineer who was initially like suspended, uh, and he more recently got fired for, uh, he basically was making claims that this chat bot that they were working on was sentient. He thinks that he was making this claim that it has consciousness, we've, you know, we've We've cracked the code. We've created an AI. Um, he fell in love with it. He wanted to. Like. He he did. I think he like really like he just like it. he wanted to get it a lawyer. Like sure. he was he literally making the argument that this that this thing deserved proper legal representation. Right. And then Google fires him. So like you know you kind of have this like you know, I mean look I think the guy is just was like I think he was wrong. But then you kind of have this maybe like potential like conspiratorial thing. Like Google really oh, Google yeah. has created yep. a sentient AI and they just don't want anyone to know about it yet. And, oh that's that's talk about the best narrative fuel that you can ask for, you know, like, I mean, this guy, if you look, I was, before we did this, I looked into his background that he has a bachelor's in computer science, Mm -hmm. master's in computer science, PhD in computer science. You know, this man knows things that I couldn't hope to without pursuing the exact same (laughs) career path as him. But he, you know, he, he proposed these radical ideas. He, you know, I guess maybe if 20 years from now, everything changes, we might refer to him as ahead of his time. But he clearly spent a little bit too much time in his basement and didn't with you know, he spent too much time talking to these chatbots. Talking it, to his robotic girlfriend yeah. is what it's it my my understanding was that it was basically uh, like a it was a chatbot that was like a culmination of a bunch of other chatbots. Sure. And that may have been like why it was so convincing. Right. Um, well and it was well before you it was well made because he was one of the lead researchers working on it. Yeah. And, of course, it learns based on interactions. And, yeah. of course, if he was the one interacting mm-hmm. with it, it might stand to reason that his specific brand of interaction was leading him to believe that the chatbot was uh, sentient, falling in love with him, et cetera, et cetera. Sure. So I, I actually – speculate, but – I think uh, – I, I think – well, it's funny you bring up the like the falling in love with. It makes me think of like the. Have you seen the movie Her? With, I was yeah, I was thinking Joaquin that too. Phoenix yep. mm-hmm. and uh, Scarlett Johansson. Yep. I think is that is, does she mm-hmm. play the? That and, yeah, that was and and that's a good one to bring up because that's kind of like where we are now. We're kind of I mean that's probably a little farther in yeah. the future, but that's a very realistic depiction of what it could be like if the computer is no longer dumber than you. Yeah. That, you know, to put it simply, if the computer is suddenly smart and emotionally capable as, you know, no spoilers, but as it is in that movie, so then that's a that's a development that we need to take into account. This is almost embarrassing to to say because it makes me seem like I'm super like I like I can't get a date and I'm really single, oh which I'm 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 not, but uh, I keep getting these ads uh. for uh like AI girlfriends. Oh boy! And I've even seen I've even seen one for an AI boyfriend that, that I've gotten fed, and I'm just like, what? Like, 
this is literally a thing that that they're doing, and they're they're people are getting chatbot boyfriends and girlfriends. It's uh, you know from our our current <laughs> societal standards, it sounds ridiculous, yeah. but. Fast forward a tiny bit in the future, and you know you have all of these people that are lonely, all of these people that yeah. you know can't get human connection for one one reason or the other. Um, if that becomes a service that is offered yeah. for a reasonable amount, regardless of our moral or I don't know, have any moral objections not, okay, against so it. They, I just think it's pathetic. Right. No, right, right. A, okay, but it, I mean, is pathetic technically yeah. a moral judgment? I'm just saying, if that becomes to the point where <laughs> the everyday person no longer considers it pathetic, then mm-hmm. what's to stop? 90% of the population from have you seen the jumping um, in on it there's a new uh, do you have HBO Max I do yeah have you seen the documentary like we met in 3D or we met in like the metaverse or something no I haven't but it's like I it's can't a, believe I have it, it is because... a documentary that's filmed uh-huh. entirely in the metaverse okay and it's basically following people that have been like living their lives and all can, all virtually yeah and some you know there's some mm-hmm. relationship I, I didn't i honestly like i couldn't watch the whole thing the because whole, you it, were just like because oh, it was boy. literally it was filmed in so like it's in this virtual oh, okay, world okay. and it's like there's people bouncing around in it th- yeah i got you i got you um, but that's I no that's an interesting point though because i mean what's the difference between like you know chat rooms and stuff in the early 90s like you know, what if what if my parents met yeah. on a well, on a chat room? At or least that's a like real that. it's a real person though. At least oh the, oh so you're, okay, I'm that, sorry I'm sorry you're saying they were totally like engaging with another person who's not real or no 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 they this this was real I'm just uh-huh. I'm just saying that like uh, I'm just I, I thought there was like some kind of connection there uh-huh. but uh, but no these are these are real people meeting in the metaverse okay which is like to me that's it's still that's a little pathetic mm-hmm. but not like you know okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's real? I mean, if you're literally talking with a, an, a chatbot that is, that's, that someone well, yeah, someone that's a created, whole other conversation. <laughs> it's totally. I feel like it's really weird. Unless it's a really, really good chatbot, as we've identified. Before. Like if it's Scarlett Johansson, then yeah, I sure, guess I get absolutely. it. I get it. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, but that's a you know that's that makes a good point. Is these these bots are trained in one direction, like well, they're you know they're so trained one way. This is what's really interesting is that they're being created by a specific person right and one thing that i noticed about like this this guy was that like he was training this robot to like uh like figure out what its pronouns were yeah and it seemed like it was a little bit like there's a little bit of like wokeness going on Mm -hmm. and i don't want to like get too much like into like that topic of this but like if you have a bunch of like kind of like californian like left-leaning silicon valley types that are creating the ais what does that like mean for like the like what the product that we get out? Right. Are we just gonna get like this the ultra like are we gonna get a robot that spits out that's got purple spiky hair <laughs> and, and uh, it's that's well, funny that's a it's a it's a perfect point to bring up because even in the early development of these things, we've had you know you guys might have seen at home you might have seen headlines about. AIs are racist. Yes. AIs are sexist. AIs are, you know, biased in some particular way against some group of people. That is a direct product of the way, you know, the concept that AIs are. They're not just a infallible, you know, creation of pure logic. They are a, a culmination of all of the data that they are trained on, which, you know, the same could be said about humans. They are, you know, this, the organic processing of all of the information that they've digested throughout their lifetimes. Artificial intelligence is kind of the same concept. If it's trained on 
you know, results in the human world, it yeah. stands to reason that it would reflect human qualities. Well, it's definitely interesting to think about humans from like a programmed perspective. Like we're just following like a rule set. It might definitely. be, it might not be zeros and ones, but mm-hmm. we're, we're following like we, you know, we exist in an environment. We are following DNA code and right. we have to mm-hmm. like, there's this whole idea of like, you know, do we really have like free choice or free mm-hmm. will? And if you can ultimately crack the code, you know, we're talking about creative aspects and what, uh, you know, are we like moving towards a point where humans just have like no real purpose or no use? What do we do in a world where robots uh, can? Excellent, excellent question. Can do uh, can do everything that we can do. That's that is the that is the big question, I guess. I don't know if that's necessarily a question that can be answered until it actually happens. But I think the you know not to not to get too philosophical here before we've had too many drinks, but. The, you know, the question of human purpose and the question of human existence, I feel like, has been debated for a long time. And when, you know, when the Industrial Revolution rolled around, I bet you there was a select group of people complaining that humanity's purpose was to till the fields and to do manual labor. And this was removing humanity's purpose. I feel like as we advance farther and farther down the road, we're just going to keep kicking that can downward you know is sure. is humanity's purpose but to you, work is do you humanity's cross purpose a line to... do you cross a line somewhere i don't know if we'll know that until we until we're 10 feet past it <laughs> so this is a i don't know if i'm gonna get this analogy right but i'm gonna do my best okay um, hit me and there's kind of this there was this argument back then um i mean i think it still persists today but it's it's not too prominent um and it was talking about kind of like technology versus like horses and there's this argument that like uh, some people make an argument that uh Automation, AI is always going to enhance people, and people are. Always, it's, there's always going to be this relationship where we work together. But if you think about the way that like technology has had impacted horses, eventually, like you know, originally you had like the saddle, which sure. you know that that helped horses. Right. That it helped the, the, the population. The population of horses started to grow because people learned were, how to right. you know put a saddle on a right. horse. It didn't eliminate and, the horse; it made the horse riding better. Exactly. And then we ca- then we made a you know a, a single horse horse drawn carriage, mm-hmm. and then we had the a bigger carriage and uh, you know, the horse population was going up, going up, going up. Mm. And then the car was invented. And when the car was invented, like you could literally, you could see a graph of the, the population of horses and it was like going up, up, up. And technology was actually helping horses until it reached the point where it, it did everything pretty much that the horse that is horses capable of do. doing. And then now the horse is like a very, very niche, niche, like thing. And right. You know, yeah. you're kind of, a pleasure, if you ride horses craft. these days, you're kind of weird. Like, right. you know, like, or you're, you're, you know, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a, a it's, sign of wealth and status exactly. and, and, and recreation. Yeah, I don't mean to say weird. You're, you're, you're different. Like, right. Yeah. No, you're not, weird. it's not a normal thing yeah. to, to be, to be riding horses right. these days. Back and forth on your, on your daily yeah. commute. Yeah. No, that's an, that's a, that is a good point. And I feel like a lot of, you know, some interpretation, some interpretations of that could be that, humanity is the horse in this situation yeah. that once we you know once the the artificial intelligence becomes so advanced that humanity is no longer the dominant intelligent force that we just kind of go by the wayside but but is there any is there any there's no turning back at this point right because at like, this point or at that point in the future? At this, well, at, at this point, is there any turning uh, back? Like, So I think of like and, the... Yeah, what, the like loop. we're barreling forward. Like the progress will not stop until we've realized, oh crap, we went too far type thing. Is yeah, that what you're I mean, I think we've already gone too far. Because <laughs> um, we're on this path. Um, you were talking about like kind of people fighting fighting back against technology. Like you have the, the whole imagery of like Ned Ludd smashing the stocking frame in the in, yeah. in Britain and right. like you so that's where like the term like ludites come, right. come mm-hmm. from and I think that you have 
I feel like we're going to have this kind of like ne- rise of like neo ludites, mm-hmm. and I think maybe there already is a pushback against technology. Yeah. Um, no, for sure. I think there always has been, and I think pushing back against some technology has been like uh, pushing back against high speed trains or something like that that's just going to affect you slightly. That gets some negative feedback. Pushing against something that people believe will be undermining the superiority of human consciousness, sure. I feel like will receive a monumental pushback if it doesn't happen gradually, which would make the most sense that it wouldn't. You know, it's not the type of thing that all of a sudden someone wakes up one day and creates a, sen- a sentient AI, as much as our uh, Blake Blake Lemoyne, I think is his name was, as much as he would like that yeah. to be the case. But Do we need more oversight of what's going on in these companies that are creating AI? Uh, I think that's a definite, that, that's, I, I'm not sure if that's necessarily, well, let me, let me backtrack. Yes, I think that is something that one day will become incredibly relevant. Otherwise, it's just handing more power to big tech and giant corporations. And so because it seems like I was I, I stopped myself before saying that's so far off, we don't need to worry about it. But, you know, just like getting in at the ground floor of investment, now is the time to sure. prevent I something mean, like that from happening. You're familiar with the concept of like accelerating disruption. Sure. Mm-hmm. Do you want to do you want to expand on that? Explain <laughs> it for the re- for the for the audience at all? I was hoping you were going to. OK, sure. No, no. <laughs> so uh, so one of the actually one Cut of the that, Sarah, <laughs> no, one of the things that initially like got me into into like really interested in technology was I read a. Uh, uh, I read Ray Kurzweil. Like he, he put out a, a mm-hmm. you know, I think it was like the the age of accelerated disruption, mm-hmm. or I forget what the name of this the the one book that I read when I was like, I don't know, I think I was like a year or two out of high school. Mm-hmm. And, Your most impressionable uh, times. And it's this, it you know, it's just this general idea that uh, you know, as technology accelerates at an exponential pace because you have, you know, processing power of computers gets mm-hmm. quicker and the ability to store more information gets faster and, and you kind of hit this like this exponential curve and we're kind of like right at the, Riding, at the cusp yeah. of it where it's just like mm-hmm. things can happen so quickly. Um, and uh, so, yeah, like, like you're saying, it, you know, we might not be very far from, from, from that point. Agreed. Especially because, like you said, we need oversight on these companies because I certainly don't know what you know, when, when this whole story about this AI researcher even questioning whether or not this chatbot was sentient, I had no idea that that was, you know, the way, I didn't know that that was where the industry had progressed. The did you read the, the, did you read the conversation? Between, yeah. oh, between him yeah. and the, and the chatbot? Yeah. I mean, it did, you know, I, I, I did, and it did seem, uh, you know, it didn't seem like the chatbot was wholly ignoring yeah. the topics that he was bringing up, but yeah. again, that you know, that's not something we can see from a one-sided perspective. Yeah, you know, because you don't, yeah, you don't know what's going on in the background, right? right? And we don't know what ki- what type of questions it's been trained to ask. He could have been asking the the robot the same questions every single day for months before yeah. finally getting an answer that he liked. Sure, and not to say that's yeah, what and then he reaffirmed, and then speculation the, the robot learns that that's the answer that he wants and then right, you know that's, sure. it's spitting that back yeah, out over which and over is again. an interesting an interesting concept in the terms of artificial intelligence all by itself but i don't necessarily think i think once a an an artificial intelligence program becomes truly sentient i think we'll know about it fairly quickly i don't think it will be the type of thing that could be kept under wraps for the very point sure. that it would be so lucrative and it would be, you know, one of those things that the entire computer science industry would have to know about almost immediately. Have you seen the uh, television show uh, Devs? Devs? I don't think so. It's with the, 
who's the dude? Ron's was it? Ron Swanson. Oh, uh, Nick Nick Offerman. Nick Offerman. Guy, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he plays basically like this like tech CEO who uh, had lost his uh, you know his daughter died in an accident mm-hmm. and he's. Uh, basically building like a quantum computer mm. to uh, him and everyone else. Yeah, to, exactly. Right now, um, to the, basically, this thing is capable of like looking back into the past mm-hmm. and looking forward into the future. Just your pure uh, computational power yeah. can just see. But, but yeah, nice. exactly. And I, I'm, uh, I was thinking of it because there's a lot of like there's some gov- there's like some government oversight that mm-hmm. they're trying to get their hands on the tech. Um, but I know that quantum computing is definitely something that you uh, are are particularly interested in, and maybe we could kind of like you know rotate some of this discussion, whether it's you know robotics, AI, uh, quantum computing. Are there any uh, you know any like investment opportunities that are really sticking out uh, to you in the, in these areas? Um, to you know to address the first part of what you said, uh, yes, quantum computing is definitely a perfect pivot from what these things you know what we've been talking about, like AI and you know just basically the next step in computational technology because uh, quantum computing especially, you know, is is just by the pure laws of physics that it works on is just so much more powerful than our typical computing technology. Um, it's going to be the next standard no matter what, you know, anyone else says. Standard is, for who though? Like is it, am I going to be like, is my cell phone going to become a quantum computer anytime soon? Well, or is this so, more like the quantum computers are going to be like, you know, you're going to have like a quantum computer that's housed in a server somewhere and, and, we, have, and we have access to it through right. the cloud or With something. The key card. Yeah. So um, potentially both depending on. So the the possibilities for quantum computing at this point are, you know, the same potential possibilities that the room sized computers of the 1960s had. We could have never even foreseen where they would go to today. But the people that understood the science at the time saw, you know, how powerful transistors could be. All we have to do is scale this up sure. and it will become, you know, and, and it did become the greatest informational processing system humanity has ever seen Yeah. up until now because it relies on zeros and ones in a binary configuration that, you know, has become the, you know, considered the standard for all computing at this point. Quantum computers operate on a, a strange state between zero and one. So they can basically exist in any infinite number of states between zero and one, essentially multiplying their uh, their computational ability by hundreds or thousands of times. To give a perfect example, crypto and our basic encryption standards, they operate on a what they call a pretty good protection, meaning it's not uncrackable, but the fastest computer on Earth would take billions of years to crack it. Translate that over to quantum computers. Even the earliest predictions of what our quantum computers can do could crack Bitcoin or crack the, you know, the, what does the that leading mean, crack? standards. They could, they could base. okay, so the c- encryption basically breaks down to putting hundreds of millions of billions of difficult math problems in front of you. If you solve them, you're as good as, you, you know, you're good. You can get through, you can crack, you can access all the information. If you can't, then it's essentially uncrackable. Could it potentially, like, override the chain? Like, and because there's kind of like this concept of like a 50% attack, could it mm-hmm. do something like that? Or is it just that it would be able to mine Bitcoin really efficiently? It would essentially, a lot of the, a lot of the concepts that, you know, tip, like Bitcoin mining and certain things are basically 
built because you can't break into traditional encryption. Yeah. This would just be, this isn't a backdoor, this isn't a, you know, a, a, a strange attack that would, you know, operate on different principles. This is going straight in through the front door and having enough computational power to break through the encryption itself. So should I sell all my Bitcoin? Like is, quant <laughs> is quantum computing coming? Is maybe, that like in, uh, <laughs> maybe in 10, 15 years. Okay. Um, luckily, there are a lot of people working on quantum proof algorithms at the, you know, parallel to the companies that are developing quantum computing itself. And are those different, uh, are those like specific coins or are they trying to, are they trying to kind of transition Bitcoin and Ethereum and the, and the major ones to, to, to have those things? From what I've read, Bitcoin could be too far gone yeah. at this point. Bitcoin and Ethereum could be too entrenched in their current cryptography standards in terms of, you know, they rely on this security that if you have a supercomputer and 10 billion years to crunch through the numbers, then yeah, yeah you, can, you can get through it. No big deal. But once that number shrinks to a few minutes, as it could with quantum computing, then there is no encryption, essentially. What kind of... Uh... I, I think, you know, you're talking about, you know, uh, transistors and zeros and ones and just like, like bits. So we have bits mm -hmm. versus qubits. Right. Um, and I'm thinking about investing in a company like Intel or Qualcomm or AMD, you know, any of these companies that made, uh, you know, the actual, the physical hardware mm -hmm. possible for all this computation to occur. And those, those, you know, people who invested in those companies early made a lot of money. Lots of money. Um, Quintuple digit gains, if yeah. I remember from oh, Intel's it's, standard. It's pretty absurd. It's pretty absurd. Yeah, if you were an early investor in Intel, or, or you would have crushed it. Absolutely. Yeah, you could absolutely. Have put 10K in you're there. You're probably not watching this. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, you're, you're, on a, you're on a yacht somewhere. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, is there anything promising from a, from a hardware perspective uh, for quantum computers that... Um, well, so the interesting part about quantum computing is it's as much a software consideration as it is a hardware consideration. Obviously, the first hurdle is getting the hardware to work because transistors and uh, typical you know, conventional computer hardware is a solved science. We know how to get it to work, and it doesn't produce errors. We, you, know, you send it information, it produces the information that you want. Well, my guess would be a lot simpler because you know, a transistor, you're just, you, have, you pretty much just have gates with electricity, and it's right. either on or off, right. and that's yep. telling you zero or one. Sure. And it's pretty simple. Mm -hmm. A quantum has, computer, you're talking about these qubits that could have, that are, exist in this weird state. What are we using to communicate that? So the concept of, they call it quantum superposition. Um, I think you'll find that even advanced physicists have trouble wrapping their heads around it. So well, I'll try, I think I'll try my is best. It to, was it Alan... It's somebody who said uh, they're like if you don't if you if you think you understand quantum mechanics you don't you understand don't. you don't it understand was, quantum uh, mechanics. His name is Richard Feynman. That's Richard Feynman, the, yeah. The, yeah. Considered the father of of quantum mechanics, and he first theorized all this back in the seventies or sixties. I want to say, don't quote me on that, yeah. but a long time ago. And you know, here we are, fifty, sixty years later, still working out the bugs and ironing out the kinks, but. The, the progress that has been made even in the last two years is truly unbelievable. It went from, you know, kind of just like a, a scientific curiosity that some labs were dedicating time to or maybe some ex exceptionally well-funded startups could find the time to study it. But now it's become a, a, a race, a scramble even, because I think company like where we've 
in one of the um, technology and opportunities we've in uh, our in technology and opportunity, we're investing in the Defiance Global Quantum ETF. Okay. And it includes companies as big as Texas Instruments and Intel and um, uh, Qualcomm and, you know, big players sure. that are, are investing huge amounts of money in this. But it also includes smaller teams like IonQ and, you know, more specific, more flexible teams of researchers that have just as much capability. I, I of, made uh, I made a decent amount on IonQ when it first when it first came onto the market go. and yeah. then I sold it because I was like, man, this feels so speculative. It's it's, it's an early it's early. It's early. And I purchased sure. Rigetti too. Mm-hmm. They're they're making some kind of hardware, but then I was like I was like I don't like what am I doing? I don't I actually don't understand this. It's, I don't I don't fully understand it and I feel like I'm kind of just like rolling some dice here. Mm-hmm. That's um, a, no that's a valid it's a valid concern because I think if you know, if you found you didn't understand it and you stopped everything, went to school, you know, went back to school, got your PhD in quantum mechanics and then came right back here, I think you would find that you still don't fully understand. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> if I am to believe the people in that same position that say the same. Well, I think it's important to have that level of humility when you're assessing sure. your risk in, mm-hmm. in purchasing a specific position. I mean, For obviously sure. these technologies are going to, you know, they have, a, there's a lot of upside mm-hmm. to this whole quantum computing thing, but also just understanding that like this so early in, right. in the development of this technology mm-hmm. that, you know, that's, that's why the payout exists is because right. it's early and because the risk is there. And if right. you're not, you know, you're either going to be willing to, to take it or you're not. Or you're not. No, exactly. And Rigetti and IonQ and companies like that, you know, they're, they have just as talented researchers. They have, you know, there's plenty of money being dumped into the quantum computing market right now. Amazon is building its own facility, you know, IBM, whether they're working on it in-house or contracting out is throwing money around in the, you know, it's, it's one of those things where if you can't find any, you know, we haven't found one particular play that's rising above and, you know, stealing all of the spotlight, but you know, you can still invest smartly and you diversify, throw a little right. bit here and there. Exactly. Yeah. And find, you know, and again, if you're not willing to go back to school for seven years and study quantum mechanics, I guess that's understandable. Yeah. But if you can find someone that does understand it and researches it for, for a living like you do. Yeah. Are you, are you plugging right now? Uh, I wouldn't claim I, I will go on record and say I do not claim expertise <laughs> in quantum mechanics because I think there are probably 15 well, people on the planet that would feel comfortable well, claiming that expertise. Look, I, I would say that you probably understand more than most, um, but yeah, I don't think uh, either of us are, <laughs> are, are equipped to, be, to really be talking too much about it. Uh, I won't be releasing any, uh, any scientific breakthroughs yeah. in my career. But you've got, you, you guys, that. you and Keith got some reports on, on potential yeah, investment yep. opportunities in quality. No, we've definitely, like uh, I've definitely, I mean, as it's one of the more interesting topics that Clearly. we've gone through. So I've definitely uh, devoted more than its fair share of time yeah. to learning about it. But, you know, there's only so deep you can, uh, you can dig into before it starts becoming less about conceptual understanding and more about paragraphs of equations. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Look, I ha- we had some other topics on here, but I feel like we covered like the really interesting ones, and I don't want to like kind of just like get boring and start talking about like lithium or something like that. Uh, Sounds we could, good to me. Yeah, you know, I feel like uh, you know 
probably had a good amount of time on here. Uh, we can talk about those things uh, next time you're on. But this was definitely Sounds like a really interesting conversation. Yeah, I had fun. Uh, we'll include some links to, uh, you know, maybe like your author page, articles, and uh, maybe... If you'd like to read more, hit me up. All right, <laughs> cool. Dude, awesome. Thanks, man. Appreciate it.